Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Good? Yes, sir. I know who I am. Did IQ just drop shot? I could have been. I have a plan. I like this shit. You know what's off, bro? It is your destiny. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week we are proud to be accompanied by Mr. Neil Ramji from Film Seekers as we set in to discuss a series of movies in our, I don't know, not necessarily Ongoing. long-standing house cleaning, yeah, discuss house cleaning extra yeah, episode film shit. <laughs> exactly, eventually we'll get to it. So Mr. Ramji, how you doing, sir? Very well. How are yourselves? Well, I'm, I'm always good. Now, don't let Lee talk because he yeah. then he gets all fumbled up and he's yeah. not, you know. <laughs> so Lee's fine. I'm fine. Everything's good. <laughs> you make it sound like yeah. we're under duress. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just ex- we'll Nobody ask Neil to point. just pepper out don't explosions throughout the entire thing. Mr. Ramji, if you want to talk a little bit about your show, where can people listen to Film Seekers? What's it about? Let uh, Let our audience know a little bit about what you do. The idea, thank you. So the idea behind Film Seekers is that uh, we explore uh, films across the world. So we're not going after your big hitters, uh, your blockbusters necessarily. So we're trying to go into different parts of world cinema, uh, international cinema, independent cinema, and cinema that perhaps people might have found a bit daunting or challenging before and try and explore them in... uh, kind of basic and simplistic ways uh, we're not trying to be scholarly or we're not trying to lecture anyone at all but we're trying to open some doors to people who have had an interest in film and may now want to go down different avenues and this is sort of discussing films from Mexico uh, from India we talked about The Red Shoes which is a 1940s British film and mm. so basically we're just trying to go down all these little kind of scurry holes and just kind of open it up to people and think you know there's something else out there other than your whatever you see that's advertised the most uh, when you go to your local cinema so um so yeah it's something that perhaps perhaps i would have liked to have heard when i was younger and so i guess i'm catering for an audience that's not catered for in a world full of superheroes and franchises cool uh let's launch into the some of the movies i uh, i'm interested in talking about um i don't know neil let you, you. Before we, we, uh, there were tweets that you sent out that you were looking forward to talking about this on the show, and, and we were talking about uh, Mr. Jones's mute. Do you know what it is to make your dreams come true, Leo? I've seen you working downstairs. You're a good man. This barman should not punch the fucking customers. <laughs> deserve you, Leo. I love you so much, but you don't know me. I want to know what the deal is with this crazy bartender. Sure you want our help with this? This kind of thing hurts my reputation. Daddy's gotta go. Oh, no soda. Your girlfriend has secrets. You lost me. Take a hint and fuck off. Not very talkative. <laughs> Something's going on. 
You need to maintain a sense of humor, babe. You gonna give me some, uh, trouble, big boy? Or are you gonna channel that famous Amish serenity? <laughs> something this is gonna stop right now it ain't a secret anymore would you do anything for her say your story fucking say it why the hell can't he talk he doesn't need words how about you take it away with what you have to say about Mr. Jones's moot. There's, there's so much to talk about Mr. Jones's moot. Uh, so uh, Duncan Jones, who on the back of his last film, uh, which was Warcraft, which wasn't mm. uh, particularly well received by uh, a lot of people. I know there were certain elements uh, of the critical fraternity who enjoyed that film. Uh, I um I'll just I'll 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 say I'll state it out right now that I, I am a a defender of Warcraft. You are, uh, right? yeah. No no interest in the series of games whatsoever. I've never played one, but I I I just it it was good to me. It was fine. It, it just if you ever look at how like old fashioned fantasy adventure goes down. It was almost exactly like that. Every all the speech was quite stilted. All the characters were quite grand and verbose and melodramatic, and all the elements of of the magic were just basically never developed or understood. And it just went on autoplay for for way too long. And I was like, this is kind of like reading one of those pulp fiction novels of that genre. And I just appre- I, I I got it. You know, I felt like it was one of the rare times his his deft hand at stilted dialogue really worked. <laughs> okay. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work for me, and I, I think that Lee, you obviously know that you're in the minority on this one. Oh yeah, it. I was absolutely very clear on it's that. It's <laughs> just just you and China that loved the film. Um, yeah, and on I the back it. of on the back of the success, <laughs> Pretty significant number. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, there is that. But on the back of the success in China, that's the reason why there's potentially going to be a sequel because it did huge yes. numbers over there. And I think it's only 29 films get uh, in the English language get released in China every year. So Ooh, if okay. you get a, if you manage to be one of those films, then you're laughing essentially. So yeah, cool. Warcraft didn't work for me i've seen uh dungeons and dragons this 1998 film with jeremy irons the and a few jeremy other people irons one, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> it, it reminded me of that and mm. I, I think that's probably not, one a, of the not worst. an unfair comparison <laughs> it is quite similar um the, the language is stilted like you said a lot of things don't make sense it's trying to be faithful to uh it's source material which is steeped in um magic mystery fantasy and i think it's such a difficult leap to take from uh something that isn't uh necessarily a filmic media and transform it to the big screen it's such a difficult job to make to adapt it basically Mm. and 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 stay faithful to your your fan base who are going to drive audiences in to watch the film but also make something uh, credible and make something interesting to audiences that have no idea what goes on within the source material. So 
there is there is that aspect to it, and 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 both of those, in in my opinion, are complete failures. So Dungeons and Dragons and Warcraft <laughs> just didn't work for me. But going back to, to to Mute, which is the latest film from Duncan Jones, and I guess it's important to say who Duncan Jones is, who is the son of David Bowie, David Bowie, um, yeah. who who uh, recently passed over uh, a few years ago. Um, I can't believe after watching Mute that this is the same man who brought me. Um, an amazing film such as Moon or Source Code. Yeah. Um, both of those films are incredible works of science fiction, I would say. Uh, mm. And I, I think he is adept at being able to make science fiction films for the big screen. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know many people who came away from Moon disappointed. Uh, there was sort of a, a groundswell of interest into engaging and challenging science fiction around uh, 2009 onwards. You had films like Looper, for example, with more challenging themes of science fiction coming through. And I think that Moon formed part of that pantheon, if not was the catalyst for that, those kind of films to come to the fore. And mm. hence why I really enjoyed that. And even Source Code, his follow-up film with Jake Gyllenhaal, which was all based on on a, on a train uh, where things were imagined and within a, a, an alternate reality, I think that was executed particularly well. And once again, you had a very strong lead there in Jake Gyllenhaal. And also, I believe it was uh, your lady from up in the air. Vera Farmiga. Vera Farmiga, who was also excellent in, in, in that film as well. So Mute um, is the story of a mute bartender and uh, he goes up against uh, the city gangsters in Berlin and it's a sort of a neo-Berlin set maybe 40, 50 years in the future where there are androids, uh, everything is high tech. It's not too far removed from where we are now but there are more things that float in the air. You get your food delivered (laughs) to you by... Uh, magic app and it drops it off on your plate it looks at these these little things that go in the, you know it's yeah. very blade runnery and i think those comparisons mm. are quite fair uh it's it's very grandiose in its sort of um world building and i love a good world building science fiction film i think if it's done particularly well you can get really immersed into it so a couple of recent examples that really work for me and you may laugh at this were from the young adult adaptations of films. And I'm talking about films like Divergent um, and perhaps The Maze Runner, which took young adult source materials of science fictions or dystopian worlds and made them into a believable future that perhaps we could be living in in 40, 50 years, although, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll give you that they did a good job world building them, but neither of them are like even remotely believable. (laughs) Okay, okay. But but, but the the point being is is that the world building behind both those films are fantastic. You really feel like Mm, you're immersed in this living, breathing world. And I would have to say that Mute attempts to do the same thing, but... it kind of falls flat and there are many sequences within uh, Mute, which is, as I said, set in a neo-Berlin, so a futuristic Berlin, populated by people that largely speak English. Uh, There is some (laughs) concession for the German language in there and I think it's valiant that they kept some of it in, but it's not enough for me to believe that this is Berlin. For all intents and purposes... This is a um, sort of a cosmopolitan metropolis. I think. Um, uh, and... I think that when your characters have to 
uh, sit sit down every now and then and re-explain that they are in Berlin. You're kind of, mi- <laughs> you know, it, it seems every every couple of scenes you got Paul Rudd walking out and going, "Oh, any day now, I'm getting out of Berlin. That's Berlin. I'm in Berlin, Berlin, Berlin." And you're like, oh, "Okay, you're hundred percent right." And the the the, the problem with uh, mute is is not is not just the fact that it has to explain everything to the nth degree every five mm-hmm. seconds. The the problem is that I think it's far too ambitious for what. Uh, Jones is able to achieve. And the whole film is is predicated on this very false pretense of this intense, sentimental, as Lee, as you said, Lee, romantic love at the start of this film. He is infatuated with a fellow uh, worker at this bar who's a, a drinks girl who goes around with a tray and serves drinks across this whole bar. Mm. And uh, she's one of the worst actresses I've ever <laughs> seen. Um, right so i to be fair I'll, I'll i'll say to our audience now i have seen half of this film uh <laughs> i fell asleep watching mute and have not yet rallied my efforts to to endure the latter half because right off the bat i'll just be clear i didn't enjoy this too i'm agreeing a lot with neil that uh that it was uh much when it comes to world building and characterization and, and acting as well it just kept failing to grab me in any real meaningful way but um i don't know how much of this uh this actress's uh role can be pinned on her inability to to deliver you know a lot of it felt to me like it was setting her there was something wrong with maybe the direction that she was being given because it, it felt like the entire scene was saying this is a very strange, demented uh, relationship. There's there's a lot being unsaid. And they just keep getting cuts of her going, I have a secret. I'm mysterious. And she has to keep explaining her role. And I don't know how you act that when you're not given a character. You know, you're like, I am a, a piece of the story that you're going to need to follow to unravel the story. And she's actually telling you her purpose in the plot. And at the same time, you're supposed to be believing this is someone who cares deeply for our main character. Uh, I, I I don't know what someone is supposed to do with that. I don't know how you're supposed to make that seem believable when it's... When it's not a it's not a person, it's not a role that's a real thing, you know, it's just a I am an item role. So I don't know how much blame can be levied at her feet, you know. <laughs> I, I think I think with all due respect to the actress involved though, English is not her first language very clearly. Well, that is. helps. <laughs> so so but I have seen non speak uh, non English speaking actresses deliver uh English language uh dialogue in a much better manner than she mm-hmm. she has done throughout uh, the beginning I, of I this can film. Agree, definitely. And the fact that the whole film is built up on this love between the two of the, the two characters uh, and if that's not believable, then it kind of undoes everything else that goes on throughout the rest of this film. Um, you've got Paul Paul Rudd's in this film. He is essentially, I guess, conflicted bad guy to an extent. He is someone who is uh, ex-military looking to get some papers to escape from Berlin because apparently there are lots of people that have abandoned the US Army and are looking to go in underground and escape with their families and whatnot. Mm. Um, but for the most part this film follows Paul Rudd trying to find suitable childcare. That is, that is essentially what the, <laughs> the, the film revolves around for the, 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 the second part oh, and man. maybe the third part of the film before it's very quick denouement. It's just Paul Rudd going, can you look after my kid for me? And she's there just scribbling on bits of paper. And that, that, that is all there is, <laughs> you know, going back to what I was saying about adapting, uh, young adult novels for the screen and i gave the examples of divergent and the maze runner as very good examples as, well in the first 
in the first couple of films, I think the Maze Runner and Divergent are, in my opinion, very good ad- adaptations of bringing that world to sure. life. The the latter parts we can probably forget about. Sure. But I think this probably is ex- exemplifies the the issues of bringing comic book stories because that's what mute is based on isn't it it's based on a graphic I was novel source. unaware <laughs> i believe it it is a graphic novel source i could be wrong right okay and there is an issue whereby yeah duncan jones story by duncan jones uh whereby this is works probably on the page but has to be done in a different way to make it work as a film mm. and he he's completely failed in in his attempt to do this right it's right. just a bizarre film and i i say bizarre in in a lot of people have called this a honorable failure i don't even think it's it's it deserves that moniker at mm. all duncan jones has made two very excellent films one in my opinion very ropey film and this absolute mess of a film mm. and it squanders a whole lot of talent and to be honest with you i don't think the source material in its original form or in this form that I've seen, is adaptable to a decent standard. Uh, this is pretty intense because I mean, I remember seeing just like bits and parts. I saw images and the images were kind of interesting. I thought it looked interesting. And I think that that was the hook uh, for getting mm. me in. And I didn't really bother watching the movie. And I'll be honest why. And this is not going to be as in-depth as Neil just went. I'm not a fan of Paul Rudd. And when I noticed that he was going to be one of the characters in the film, I, well, here it goes, cat's out of the bag. (laughs) I'll I'll just keep going with this. I'm not a fan of John Cusack either, and I figure that Paul Rudd is the new John Cusack. And it's a very (laughs) sad thing for me to sit through, like, some of those movies, because I've never thought that John Cusack was actually a good actor. He's just a guy who happened to be at the right place, and he has a career as a result of that. And I know that Mike is right now losing his fucking mind in Kentucky if he's listening to this, going like, because he's a huge John Cusack fan. And I, I still have to sit down and watch High Fidelity. I saw bits and parts, and I was like, I don't give a shit about mullets. I don't, you know, whatever. And Paul Rudd is another guy that I've always had trouble getting into. But I happen to be, like, I, I'm one of the only people that really enjoys This Is 40. I really like that movie uh, mm. because of the fact that it's it's it seems so raw, so real. A lot of people seem to criticize a lot of what Judd Apatow does as long-ass movies and whatnot. And I'm like... Yeah, but he just lets everything come to its logical conclusion. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to cut in different places in order to kind of get you involved in the movies. He goes, okay, well, the movie's telling me to go this way and I'm going to head down that road with it. The same thing happened with Funny People, another movie I think that doesn't get enough recognition in my opinion. When I when I saw that Paul Rudd was going to be in Mute, I was like, you know what? He's all right as Ant-Man, but he's never a character. He's always Paul Rudd. I can't, there's no believability in any of his performances. And that was going to be one of the things that was going to take me out of the movie anyway, because as soon as he opens his mouth, I'm going to be like, ah, it's Paul Rudd in a science fiction film. What the fuck is this? Yeah, And I didn't particularly want to... Yeah, well, exactly. And I didn't really want to put myself through that. I've got nothing against Duncan Jones, and I think Neil really did a good job of explaining why, you know, Moon and Source Code really kind of launched into the new sci-fi when we got movies like Ex Machina as a result of that as well. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see myself falling for... Warcraft. I mean, I just saw a clip of Ben Foster <laughs> yeah, it's not as the happen, fucking man. wizard. <laughs> and, you know, and Ben Foster was just like, 
you know, it's not even chewing scenery at this point because oh, it's, that, I totally there's forgot nothing about to chew, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's just there, like, ah, la, la, and yeah. just trying to have this weird accent. I mean, like, I, be... I'll say, uh, like, we're 2016, my sort of pat in the back terrible movie, but that I ended up loving anyway was X-Men Apocalypse Warcraft was yeah, the 2017 edition of it, but it's far less recommendable than X-Men. I'll give I'll give it that. I mean, it's it, because it's All far right. more based in just terrible taste <laughs> whereas x-men was at least a pretty upbeat pretty fast-paced movie that has a lot of special effects warcraft just kind of it's like two and a half hours long of people muttering in rooms <laughs> like it's like... Yeah. jason have you jason have you seen avatar yes imagine if the people were green you've seen warcraft <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Christ. not fair. Avatar's oh, no, way no, worse. Than... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not an Avatar hater. I'm just an Avatar like meh. Or yeah, if yeah. you want to see it that way, I didn't really it's give a, a shit about it. <laughs> it's a movie. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. Hard to argue. <laughs> <laughs> it exists. You know. But um, with regards to mute, uh, I I'm I'm interested in seeing it now just because of the backlash it got. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I remember, uh, like, uh, I, I saw when, when I saw Neil's tweet about it, talk, I was like, oh shit, this can go one of two ways, but I kind of know a little bit of what Neil likes and doesn't like. And if it's all flash and no substance, Neil's going to just come down hard on it. And just by <laughs> the tweet, I was like, I, he didn't like the movie. It's going to be interesting to hear him talk about that. And I mean, I remember seeing it pop up on Facebook. Uh, I was reading through, sometimes I, I like reading the news on the side to see what's going on. And then uh, Little White Lies, uh, just it was like Mute is, I don't remember what, anyway, and it's like that one-star review of Mute and whatnot. And so I was like, okay, Little White Lies can be hit or miss with me with regards to their reviews, but when it comes to science fiction, they're pretty spot on most of the time. I thought you were going to say when, when Neil is down with science fiction, he's pretty spot on all the time. I thought you were going to no, give, yeah, give that's, some props that's, there. Literally, case in point is like Star Wars is semi-science fiction and you hate it. So, I mean, we're not going to give <laughs> you that. I don't think Neil, Neil doesn't hate Star Wars. He hates the machine behind it. It's very different. Correct. So, Correct. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, I'm like, I'm glad there's a machine now because I get more of them. But I think that that's what he's talking about is that it eventually will devalue the franchise that's supposedly supposed to be good and why people love it. I, and I understand that it, it goes too far, but that's why I kind of limit my intake i have the action figures i have a toaster and that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know there's one action it. figures yeah. and like you're like that's a nerd and then toaster is like that's an idiot <laughs> <laughs> and it's true and i mean it doesn't it doesn't even work you know it, 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 you post it down <laughs> sorry and i told Did i, I told say idiot i meant sucker <laughs> <laughs> uh and it was it, but i mean i was so happy i was like hey look at that you can it'll it'll just burn like the 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 uh, the rebel crest in, in the insignia in the toast and actually it does, leaving most of your toast uncooked it, it, exactly that's the part of the toast that remains uncooked the rest of it is all toasted and oh, I was like God. wow what a terrible fucking purchase that was that's $15 I won't get back but anyway long story short uh, Mute looked appealing looked appealing but when I kind of started looking at it a little bit deeper and listening to you guys talk about it and also I think that someone mentioned that this could have possibly been one of those um, episodes that they could have used for, you know, something they could have made like a series out of it and maybe spent yeah. a little bit more time developing what was going on because apparently the world itself seems to be interesting. It's just that the characters that inhabit it aren't. It's, it's like Neil said, on paper, it's bound to work. I mean, it's a good idea that Neo Berlin, it, it sounds cool that 
the look of it is pretty interesting because it's quite seedy, but in a very Eurocentric kind of way. You know, it's something I haven't seen before. Uh, it's just and, not. But I mean, it's not given a... time to breathe, or or to you don't get to inhabit that place at all. You just you're just there. But yeah, long story short, I might try to sit through it eventually, but in no time soon. It's one of those things where I'm like, you yeah. know what? I, I just want to see how bad. It's the same thing with Bright. You know, uh, the, the straight to Netflix Bright. My sister really enjoyed the movie, and she seems to be in there. There is a a disconnect between our our, our tastes in terms of you know. I I enjoy movies quite a bit, and she enjoys movies quite a bit, but she collects the Police Academy, and I don't. And so Bright seemed to be a little bit more in her wheelhouse. Is he gone to get the Police Academies now? <laughs> oh God. There you go. Like now, now we know definitively where where your tastes divide. Your Neil is just <laughs> exactly where your sister went, and you went the other way. Exactly. That's that's the point. Now it's great. We got like a fucking. We got like a source. <laughs> but uh, it was just it was the go to. Okay, well, I could have said she enjoys movies that that have Dolly Parton in them. If he's going to bring out nine to five, it's <laughs> up again. <laughs> but anyway, so that the long story short, you know, she when she told me that she liked Bright, I hadn't seen it, and I immediately started to laugh. I was like, "Are you kidding?" Like everyone, everyone seems to be like destroying this movie. First of all, I think it's because a lot of people don't like Max Landis, myself included, and I think that a lot of the backlash <laughs> comes from that. You know, the idea is like, "Oh, like, fuck you." I I feel like. There might be an audience out there for Mute eventually, just the same way that there is an audience out there for Bright. Uh, I have no idea who that is. I'm mm. maybe looking forward to seeing it because I I kind of enjoyed Cloverfield Paradox for what the hell it was, you know, the campy mess that it is. But Mute, every every time I hear someone talk about it, it's just a fucking yeah. mess. I have no yeah, idea how I'm I mean. going to like, figure where where I'm going to be in there. Cloverfield Paradox was a was a mess, but it was an enjoyably quick and one-and-done mess, where Mute was kind of disparagingly slow and draining the entire time. And I was genuinely oh, wow. excited when it started to see... Because uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever fallen asleep during a sci-fi, but this actually happened. Uh, hmm. So I don't know, man. I, I am interested in seeing the last half of it, because I want to see what... If anything is made of like the themes, yeah, I mean, I mean, the 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 the, the, the for the, for me, the payoff that is completely unwarranted. Uh, <laughs> there is barely a, there is barely a payoff at the end of this film, and I, I think you'd be right to go back and give it your time to watch mm. that final. What's it? Hour, hour, hour and a half that you yeah, missed. Hour, yeah, hour. So I I think you'd be right to to see it through, and I would put it on a par with films like Bright uh, as. As you said, Jason, I I think there is an audience out there for people who want very simplistic stories. Right. Um, you know, all three of us have times where we just want to chill out. We don't want to engage too much. We just want to watch something, turn our heads off. Mm-hmm. And by yeah. all rights, you know, there is an audience out there who purely want to do that constantly all the time when they watch a film they don't want to have any deep and meaningful themes underlying um you know to them a good film is something that tells a story from beginning to end they understand what goes on and there's nothing else to take from that and that's that's fine and bright is essentially training day with orcs and (laughs) i i think for an for an audience that that wants that sort of thing easygoing with some you know, yeah. uh, plot holes and everything else that they're not going to look into deeply. That's that's perfectly well. That's filling a gap in the market for people like that who enjoy that sort of thing. And even even myself, you know, there will be films like 
we well i've just plucked out the police academy uh collection <laughs> here they yeah. they are enjoyable guilty pleasures i enjoy the police academy films there's no subtext going on i just enjoy them for what they are which is great moments of slapstick humor police academy holds a little bit of my my heart in the 90s where i was a teenager and i enjoyed watching these films as part of my escapism this is pre-american pie sort of slightly smuttier and maybe even slightly more cynical sort of era uh pre-internet era where you know there wasn't all this stuff that we were exposed to and so police academy was you know my way to watch um people get mace sprayed under their arms and you know women get their boobies popped out and and all all the rest (laughs) of it and it was funny it was funny because i was a teenager and you know that appealed to me so you're saying so you're saying mute is the police academy of of sci-fi films Jesus, no. <laughs> not at all, not at all. But 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 I would say, I I would say I would say that it's it's no deeping me deeper or meaningful than Police Academy. So that's, there we yeah, are. that's a very fair, very uh, I would say incredibly fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I wanted to uh, I wanted to move on, uh, seeing as that uh, we we all wanted to talk about like specific movies. Uh, this was the one that I hadn't seen, but I know that all three of us have seen Lady Bird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New in the York, world did I raise such or at least small. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> she has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can. Your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. (laughs) You definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. Please stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex? I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. A 
and I haven't had a chance to talk about Lady Bird, and I wanted—I really wanted to get your opinions on it. I remember talking to Lee a little bit, and he said he had a few issues with it. I really, really adored it, and I saw that you reviewed it, uh, Neil, and you had uh, more than a few issues with it. And I wanted to see, I wanted to get mm-hmm. you guys' take on it, because I have mine uh, in terms of a review format, uh, but I'm coming at it from a different place than you guys uh, because I, I'm seeing it not only as the kid I was, I'm also seeing it as the parent, uh, who has, who's probably going to be heading into it, uh, and having a daughter somewhat like that. And so, well, I mean, I, if, if, if you're coming, if you're the one leading and it's going to be a positive, a more positive take, you should be setting the groundwork for us to okay, be chipping away right, at fine, so let's, we'll, Take it away. <laughs> it's like, let, you, you let us take you down, Jason. This is exactly mm, Yeah, what please. Saying. After you. <laughs> um, I was a little, apprehensive you know sitting down to watch this one because of the praise everyone was like hype this yeah. is really really Absolutely. fucking good mm-hmm. uh but i gotta be honest with you when i started watching it i i was like oh man this is this is so good it's very clever it does play on a little bit of nostalgia for me obviously growing up in that period in time but at the same time i kind of identified with her not only her but her her friend as well you know julie julie stevens which i think she's called uh, yeah, who's yeah. played wonderfully by uh, <laughs> beanie fendelstein I thought Lady Bird herself, the idea that she's trying to fit in uh, was really something that I'm living as a parent, but also lived as a child, where you don't necessarily mm-hmm. know how to act, especially growing up, like I, I tend to talk about quite a bit, when uh, growing up in a, in a French community as an Anglophone, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb as well. Even if you know the language, you're still labeled as the English guy, you know, and so trying to make your way in navigating, you know, friendships and, and trying to be part of the popular crowd and all that stuff is still something that I look to and be like, oh man, I, I still don't know how I could have managed to get into that crowd. And I'm reliving it now as a parent and seeing my young daughter try to figure out how the fuck to get into these groups and being like having that, that, how can I put it? The, the knowledge that I have now as, as well, we'll call it an immature adult. Um, I, I try to tell her it doesn't really matter because it gets better. Everything's going to be fine. I also understand the aspect of wanting to get away from the hometown. She just wants to get away mm-hmm. from Sacramento. And growing up in a small town, uh, 27,000 people, I understand what she means when she wants to go where culture is. It's still something that I aspire to. I live in Quebec City and I still feel sometimes that there is no real culture here. No matter how much people tell me that there is a very much Quebec culture, I never identified with it. And it's not something that's ever mm-hmm. interested me anyway. However, I mean, the culture here is uh, hockey and snowmobiles. That's basically what it is. And I have no... <laughs> I could I have told skate. you that about anywhere in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I can't skate and I don't own a snowmobile. I, 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 mm. I do other things. I do this, you know. However, looking at it, I also understand that it's an idealization of other locations. You know, when you look at it from a very uh, narrow perspective as a child, you're like, mm. it's probably going to be better elsewhere. And you know, it's all the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, and so I figure that even now, myself being in Quebec City, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I really have to get out of here. I have to go away. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris, you know, the idealization of time periods where you're like, maybe you just don't fit in because you're choosing not to, to a certain extent. And I figured that Lady Bird, the way that she's trying to do it is like, she wants to fit in, but she's constantly in the front of the way that she, her hair is, you know, the way that she chooses to, to kind of present herself in this aggressive way it felt Mm. so much like i was at that point in time but then when i shifted 
and I see how her parents are dealing with it. And I, I kind of identified a lot with uh, Tracy Letts in this case, because something happened to me at work as well, where he loses his job in this, in the film. And it's one of those things that must be so worrying as a, as a, as a parent where you're like, how the fuck am I going to provide for my family? And I mean, last year mm. that happened to me, someone put my job at risk and I'll forever be wary of that person uh, because I still think that he's one of the most disgusting individuals that I've ever met. He's a rat fuck. I know he doesn't listen to the show, so I couldn't <laughs> care less. I won't name him. But, you know, I have to just kind of grin and bear it every time because the, his office is not too far away from mine. And he put my job in jeopardy in no matter how much he says that I did it because apparently I wasn't living up to his standards, but he's just another teacher. He's not mm -hmm. part of the administration who would have had a say if I was doing a bad job. You know, mm -hmm. this guy in the movie was laid off. I almost lost my job because of someone's opinion, which is fucked up when you think about it. That yeah, because he absolutely. knows where to stick his tongue up the administration's ass, then I was put under a magnifying glass for a year. That was one of the most stressful experiences that I had to go through because I had to sit there with my girlfriend and try to explain to her, I don't know what to do if ever I lose this job because I don't know what I'm really good at. I'm not necessarily a good teacher, but I know what I'm talking about when I'm teaching the material. And so that was kind of one of the things where I was like, fuck, I can understand where Lady Bird is coming from because it's exactly what I live. But I'm also looking at Tracy Letts' character and I'm like, fuck, this is exactly what I almost lived. You know, mm. I, I can't. I can't put myself in the position where I'm like, oh man, how, how, how do you cope with that? And then you have Laurie Metcalf's character who's absolutely fantastic. And I find my rhetoric kind of resembling hers sometimes where I'm like, well, you guys don't know how lucky you have it. And then you try to really constantly be a good parent, but at the same time, you have to respect what your values are. But at the same time, you don't necessarily listen to what your kid's saying when you should, as opposed to talk you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so yeah. it was all a little bit too real for me where I yeah, was just sitting there yet. and going like, oh, my God, it's like showing a, a mirror to all of the experiences that I had. And it wasn't necessarily in terms of nostalgia, but I felt like I was watching a life lesson right in front of my eyes and mm. being able to take it in as it was going on was really heartwarming for me because not only did I be I was I told that it was OK to be the way I was when I was a kid. But that the challenges that I'm facing as a parent are also okay. And it's the way that I choose to deal with them that are going to be uh, a little bit more rewarding for me in a maturity level as I choose to move on. And so mm. Lady Bird is, is so rich for me as a movie because I, there's so many aspects of my personality that I could see in that. And it's very rare for me to get that from a movie. And so, mm. you know, even like uh, one of the, one of the moments that I thought was really great was, um, uh, the, the Dave Matthews, uh, scene in the car when she's with Timothy Chalamet, who I don't know if it's a good performance. I don't know if I like him as an actor. I don't really, you know, I don't know if it's, it's just there, but he was such a fucking pretentious prick in this movie that maybe he did that much <laughs> of a good job that I was like, ah, I know that guy. I don't like that yeah. guy. And then when Crash, Dave Matthews Band's Crash comes on and she says, I like this song. And I was like, I like that song too. Uh, there was one of the things that, that always been a peeve to me is that how much Dave Matthews, like everyone shits on him for being very literal in whatever his lyrics are, but they don't look at the music and how complicated it is at most times. And I always have really enjoyed the Dave Matthews Band. And I don't know if it's because he's white trash. I don't know if I, I have no idea. I, I No I, opinion. I, I just have to separate <laughs> the music from the artist, I guess. I don't know. 
I, I've never really read any tabloid shit. I know he drank a lot and he came from Charlotte. You know, I have no idea exactly. <laughs> but I've always kind of enjoyed uh, the, the rhythm, the music that it got because it got me going. I, I had a good feeling went to it. And so that little moment in time where she was actually be able to not necessarily uh, – she was honest with herself as opposed to playing a game – I thought that was a very interesting turning point, the same way as when she decides to not call herself Ladybird at the end and call herself Christine. She's kind of just shedding the persona and growing up a little bit. And I thought that was kind of interesting because there's a part of me that still has to do that. And to be able to see it in such a young, good female character was like, well, if she can do it, so can I. And so mm. I think that Ladybird speaks a lot to me because I got so much from it that I couldn't see any flaws in it. <laughs> and I understand why it's getting that praise for me personally. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's that's my bit on Ladybird. I mean that 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 makes sense to me. I, it's also I'll I'll be clear in saying that I'm absolutely of two minds about this one. But I think what you're saying has a lot to do with why I went a, a different direction and a more negative direction is because of that personal effect. So and and then I have to then give it praise. On top of the fact that I also think it's a really well put together and really well told story that I think does naturally invite you to bring yourself to the film. Yeah. That's exactly why these opinions will always come charged or or different is because it's kind of it reminded me a lot of uh Sing Street that the more of yourself you get yeah, to yeah. the more you get back out of it. Uh mm -hmm. and, and and I'm sure that's true for a lot of coming of age kind of stories is that you know people will always see a little fragment of themselves here and there and depending on whether it's the part they like or the part they hate uh or and how much that part is challenged or changes during the film they're always going to come out of it with uh, a very personal opinion. So when you come at this and go, I've seen a lot of myself in this film. i also seen a lot of experiences that I've been through, maybe a little later than Lady Bird's age. Not much later than... She's only like... She's like 21 in this film. Uh, yeah, so I mean, what, like maybe the last two, three years after that. What I mean is, I think the film does really well at explaining like parental guilt on, a, on a, an accessible yeah. level. I think yeah. that... I think that the film is very kind of poppy. Uh, it's very quick edited. It's very there's lots of humor in it. It's very comedic at times, and it's also quite sad when it needs to be. And to me, it, it, like if you look at all of it in one like clean page, it's it reads as a tragedy. Uh, and, and maybe that's just like that's that's more to do how I perceive those kind of changes. But it, that maybe the fact that Lady Bird kind of loses the fight. I read that as uh, as something uh, of a tragedy. Maybe just reflects more on well, how I perceived those fights. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, I and in those cases again, I uh, that's what I mean. Like I can't fault the film itself for that. You know, I can't say. Uh, then I think the film is genuinely great. And then where I come from in a different way, I have to just be clear and put an asterisk on it and say it's because of where I'm coming from in relation to me from the film. And it's got this great heightened nature to everything uh, that kind of complements the, the general connecting tissue of it, uh, that emotion, everything kind of just, it feels kind of melodramatic and that helps everything register with the audience and I guess that's a big deal of why a lot of people really really like this film is because everything is just heightened enough that you're getting like scenes where Lady Bird jumps out of car and scenes where the mother <laughs> is is dead silent to her when she's yelling at her face asking for her to be heard these are things that for the for a film that is mostly semi-realistic these heightened elements make it a little more artistic i guess uh but also uh, melodramatic in a sense where people can see the the general nature of it 
and get something from it. And that's what I think, Jason, you mean a lot. A lot of what you were talking about is 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 themes of the film and these like unspecified battles that are just in the narrative but not necessarily addressed. Things like fighting against the town based on like where you were your stances with your parents and all that it's not like it's not all she's not literally make a statement going like i need i have this hair because i hate this town you know that doesn't happen but it's the general mm-hmm. thing it draws out of you and the generalness of it that really people i imagine connect with and i think that the melodrama in it kind of helps elevate that but the thing that i i that really like stops me from loving it is that it is that relationship between the the mother and daughter that i think is is heightened to the point where it it kind of almost skews it too hard and and to, and to the point where it, it kind of glosses over how dangerous that relationship is right so i mean i mean this only in a sense that i i i experienced this right maybe first hand and second hand mostly second hand but what I'll, I'll say is that from my experience that relationship where this this mother has a a guilt and controlling level over your life right yeah it's and and you're you're struggling at that age to deal with how that burrows into your mindset and all it kind of I, because of what I've experienced, I, I ended up taking that portion of the story incredibly seriously <laughs> against, like, where it's kind of a dramatic downbeat when it's on, uh, against, like, the general mishappy fucking poppy story. It, the the worst scenes are always with the, the mother and the daughter. The, I Each time I was like, I hate this because it's too real, but it's also not real enough, <laughs> you know? Uh... It's 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 too Hollywood sheen over the fact that this is a deliberate character. Uh, this is a person who is deliberately manipulating someone in a very vindictive nature to try and get something out of them that has nothing to do and doesn't consider anything to do with what they want. And I uh, that would be a fine story. I think for the most part I bared with it because I thought it was okay. You know, I thought like uh, it's, it's kind of. It's one of many stories, and the majority of the story is really about how Lady Bird just doesn't fit in anywhere, like as you were saying. Mm. Uh, that makes more sense to me, but it's at the very end. Guess it's kind of a spoiler, so I'll, I'll preface that spoiler, but... We always spoil the, shit, man. Why are you worried now? Yeah, yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the issue is that it gives a lot of scenes of that person kind of showing some regret off-screen. Or not off screen, but out of the dialogue between her and her daughter, we see a lot of her breaking down, reconsidering her actions, looking for consul, like looking to be consoled by her husband, as if she knows at a point she's done a terrible thing. But that's not how people like that actually work, you know. Behind the closed doors, they don't, they don't get a moment of, of gravitas and grief, you know. These the decisions of a person who functions on that high level of of guilt in a family doesn't. There's no point, they, they'll question what they might be doing from time to time, but they don't go sobbing into the arms thinking, what a monster am I, you know? They don't, they don't hide uh, their secret, their secret know, guilt letters to get their daughter's forgiveness because in real life, that's, it's very dangerous to, to assume that that comes from a place of, of, of regret. Uh, and, and a lot of people like that, especially in my experience, have been not in any way looking out for the person but are just looking out for themselves they're very selfish people to see that get like a kind of pat in the back oh i'm sorry uh you know she, 
deep down she's really just trying to look out for her is bullshit. And and it it, it oh I'm gonna it, call bullshit on that a little bit too. But I, this is uh, this is what I mean, right? This is okay. not a, this is not a total cause, but I have numerous experiences of this exact thing. And when I'm okay. coming from my own experience of this, I I'm looking it. at it. And I'm Makes going, sense. This is not okay. And so when Lady Bird loses the fight and kind of regrets moving out, which is a totally natural thing, it doesn't have to have to be essentially about how the mother breaks her down for the letters, but that's what right. follows after the breaking down from the letters. I'm angry at the film for not making this more about what Ladybird wants and making it too much about what the mother manages to achieve at the end. And that's why I look at it like a tragedy, right? And that and on another level makes me think, well that's that's just good writing. Yeah, that's kind of accurate because this is what would happen. The daughter could be broken down like that. But in the nature of the narrative, I just and from from my perspective of it, I just can't get past just how miserable and defeatist this made me feel. And that's why I can't I can recommend the film, but I also I can't watch it again. Put it that way, you know, and that's why that's where my negativity comes from, because it's it's not just a tragedy but it feels like it's based on a level that it kind of misses a lot of what is actually going on in that relationship when it's trying to be too general to keep a story going and that's fine but it's very to me i was taking it seriously as if it were the story and when you see that that doesn't get the closure you expect from numerous cases in real life and then your own experience you're going i cannot give it the thumbs up i want to give it because I don't feel it myself, you know? Right. And so that's where, I, that's where my negativity really comes from. Right. On it. Before I let Neil come back in then, because I want his impressions on it as well, I wanted just to touch on, on what you said. You know, I think that that's probably a deterrent in, in the movie itself then, that it's going to play differently for different people. You know, mm-hmm. because to me, the guilt that you're talking about is one that I feel, that I have, that I kind of hypocritically live with. And then I have to constantly course correct. And I have my, my, I actually sit down and I talk to my girlfriend. I said this, I did this. What the fuck? You know, and why that's, did I that's do not that? What, that's, that's a different guilt though. That's what I'm saying. The character we're seeing here is not, is not self-aware like you are, even to some degree. You don't you think can, so? You can do f- why does she Absolutely run back at the not. end, man? That's what I mean. That's a cop-out. That's a sellout of that character because up until then, oh. we've seen her only use manipulative and vindictive nature that they're building up someone who has basically kind of got a condition of guilting. You know, like it's a system, an addictive system that you're in. And those people, that in real life, that system doesn't turn around at some point and go, oh, oh, suddenly I realize I'm in the wrong. But I think that she knew they, she was they, wrong no, no, but that's No, but she can't. That's what I'm talking about. These people okay. in real life, if it's going to a realistic thing... If this story is built on, and you see it throughout the thing, how strong she is compelled to be this guilty, horrible person who uses her daughter, and we see it at, at its most. This only this scene, the ending where she comes back around, comes after she freezes her daughter when she's yelling in her face for help. That's what we're seeing. They're seeing somebody who can literally burrow so deep inside to the levels of guilt that she can actually make a new excuse of how not to feel about uh guilty about it that's what i mean and that's I no but that. that's how those people work and okay. i from first-hand experience i know that's how they work and I, that's, I get it i just think it, that the first time doesn't exp- give you the, <laughs> okay. the, no, but i mean the thing with the, the 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 characterization is that if we had seen 
tidbits here and there laced throughout that there was an underlying motive, an underlying compassion that was having to be suppressed to let this person be guilty, you know, and, and, and we see this break down at the end after being led up to believe that maybe it's there, but it's never going to happen. Then I would be like, that's fine. That's a different person to the one we're seeing, though. The one we're seeing is somebody who is on a compulsive level, a manipulative person, and they're not going to find self-awareness in a Hollywood finale. And that's that's where I come up, because that's not real even to the point where the film wants to be real, you know? That's that's having your cake and eating it too. And okay. it's not the same. I'll I'll disagree with you for that. I'll I, I can't I can't I can't agree. I'll I accept I accept your explanation. I can't agree for myself personally, just for the reason why that she she decides not to continuously call her Christine. She calls her Ladybird. She is sympathetic. Oh, towards- but she does that in social scenarios. It's a manipulative thing. You see it. She doesn't it's an appearance thing. No, no, no. She, uh, no. She's sitting in the bathroom. In the bathroom, when when the dude, when their father's there, when 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 she's in the washroom, when her father's toilet, there. She, but but I mean, it doesn't matter. She doesn't call her Christine. She says, "Why don't you use the, your name?" You know what I mean? I think that there's a jealousy. To me, that's the way I see it. I think that there was a jealousy that she couldn't have the balls that Lady Bird has. You know what I mean? She doesn't have the tools necessary to kind of uh, accept uh, that that Lady Bird has. Um, the 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 opportunity to do all these things to express herself Call in that way the, and that, that the comes from being... that you want the motivation behind the character uh, that's that's a that's fine it's a different topic to what's being portrayed though you know it's okay. more about the impact than the reason you know all right well, I want to get Neil <laughs> on this and I know that Neil well we'll see you know I, I won't give away how he felt about it but uh, I want I want your take on this as well you know I I'm, I I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I've kind of I've kind of listened to, to to both of you there, and obviously, Jason, I understand where you're coming from. You know, um, from both perspectives, Jason Lee, uh, this is a very personable film that we can all agree on, I guess. And uh, Lee, you've had experiences where these characters' actions and uh, their motivations don't match up to the things you've experienced in real life. And 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 Jason, in your case, where you yeah, are in a very similar well. position. To, yep. <laughs> when you're in a very a similar position to uh, the teacher who's let off uh, having uh, daughters yourself who are growing up and mm-hmm. are displaying these traits that Ladybird is doing so in the film and having a relationship with adults that are tempestuous and 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 re- rebellious and you know that's expected of teenagers but done in a a, a, a much more nuanced and uh, I guess realistic way and 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 this this uh, I guess this want of the screenplay to to be realistic and yet have these flights of fancy at the same time, throwing yourself yeah. out of cars, mm-hmm. um, you know, having these miraculous sort of uh, come togethers and, and resolutions. Um, mm. Don't you know? There's two dichotomies there, and they 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 don't marry up for me. Um, okay. It, they 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 made you know. I I don't have children. I I don't I don't know young girls who are going through this stage in their lives. I don't have that mm-hmm. exposure to it. So perhaps this is a, a blind spot for me, but someone you know equally I don't know someone who can uh fly through the air and has laser beams coming out of their eyes. But the difference <laughs> the difference there being is that those sort of films aren't trying to be realistic in their portrayal whereas Ladybird mm. wears its credentials writ large on its arms. 
it wants to be a realistic portrayal of the tumultuous times that a teenager is going through. And for me, to get into the head of Saoirse Ronan's character of Ladybird, Christine, whatever you want to call her by the end of the film, it's largely uninteresting for me because I don't have... <laughs> Uh, I don't have a grounding in, in, in which to base, base myself. I know of people growing up who are like Ladybird, who are the quirky, attention-seeking, standoffish, bad-tempered girls. And I know what happens to them through my experience. And I'm not saying this is obviously a hard and fast rule, but... For the majority of those people, I know, you know, they're trying to be cool and, and they, they don't get it right all the time and they're shown up at certain events and they're rebelling against their parents who are very liberal parents. And I would say probably liberal parents for the time as well, because the, the, what, what time scale is this being played out on? But late 90s, early This is late 90s, 2000s? early 2000s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't know many parents who were like that. And I think I've, I've spoken about this on my podcast that... Uh, we live in an enlightened age, you know, 2018, where we are now, we have much more acceptance of people who have mental health issues, people who have uh, different sexualities that perhaps were less accepted 13, 15 years ago during the time in which this film has played out. So to me, yes, there may have been parents who were very progressive and libertarian, uh, but the the way that the two interact, so Laurie Metcalf as the mother and the way that she interacts with Saoirse Ronan, the daughter, is highly unrealistic for me. Um, a large part of this is, for me, that Saoirse Ronan's character smacks of this snarky teenager that I just... It's just really uncomfortable, unwarranted, uninteresting <laughs> company for the majority of the time. I'm like, I hope she gets what's coming to her. I hope there's some sort of... Oh, wow. I, I hope that uh, seriously, I, I, I hope that so there's, there's something that someone, some some tragedy or something will come and grab her by both arms and give her a shake and say, "This is not how the world works," you know. Unfortunately, mm. you can't have everything you want. You should be able to have everything you want, and I'm all for that. But unfortunately, uh, the world is conspires against us, and I think that we all feel that in our in our lives, where we th- we think that we're living in this perfect life. When actual fact, we're probably out of step with every, the you know the general majority of the people in in which we li- which we live in really mm-hmm. our society we feel slightly left of center and we'd like to think that we speak for the majority but but we don't and the 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 the, the thing that kind of exemplified this was that i i have access to um the monetary figures of um films so i can see exactly how much money that certain films have taken on any given night thanks sure. to um some secret stuff that i can't really talk about but <laughs> uh but I, I i've looked at the first week of ladybird opening in the uk more people went to go and see 50 shades in its third week and to me mm. that says to me exactly what i need to know about people like ladybird is that the fact that that is not as progressive as that may be it's a very quiet voice in a void of people who want to see jamie dornan take his top off <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah I, I mean i get that there I is mean, a drinking obviously. problem in the uk <laughs> <laughs> and i am part of it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it uh, to an extent. Um, there's definitely, I mean, you got to look at the demographics that are seeing these films anyway. I mean, there's definitely 
brand recognition's always got to come over some fucking Oscar of course yeah anyway. I, I, it's unfair of me to to compare a commercial compare film them, versus but I, I get you I, I get your point you know a lot of people are not going to see themselves at all in Lady Bird because a lot of people are very straight and narrow by majority they will be nowhere near as as standout-ish as this character and that in itself might lead people to wonder why they want to spend time with someone who in their real life they were never planning to spend time with anyway uh and they everybody does know somebody a little bit like Lady Bird in that they call attention to themselves uh in their teenage years maybe as a desperate cry for you know some sort of mm. attention to their life at that point or maybe just because they have nothing better to do it depends. I mean, I think the film makes a good case in saying that this character has pros and cons in her life. Like, she was, she does have opportunities ahead of her, and she is, on some occasions, making more of a of an issue out of things than need be. She does mm-hmm. have a pretty demanding family life. She does have a pretty uh, constraint social demand from her parents, which require her to be somebody she can't be. And so you do kind of, I think, are supposed to rationalize that. But if you can't rationalize that, then obviously you're not going to enjoy the film. And that makes sense. And if and if you see, if you're, if we're all going into this with, <laughs> like, uh, our opinions, our takes, our, our, um, our experiences, and then you, <laughs> your experiences, the people that you know like that have mm. never, ever warranted the interior I that Lady Bird somewhat demands, then I, it makes perfect sense to me why you wouldn't want to try and establish uh, a relationship with a character that you've seen a million times in real life and know rightly doesn't have that much going on to to complain about as Lady Bird does. And so you, it, it, it makes sense to me as a write off, I suppose. <laughs> precisely, precisely that, exactly that. And it, it, and it, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning is it's, it's a very personal film and, and you're right. It does depend on your experiences during life. And can you relate to this character? Can you not relate to this character? Uh, at the end of the day, I, I just see her as a typical teenager who's rebelling, who's struggling, <laughs> getting into adulthood with views on the world of which they're not commensurate with perhaps those things that are around her but is trying to uh i don't know make a stand make herself important you know be a person in her own right and it's it's something i've seen many a time before and i've just seen it done in more relatable ways what problems does ladybird really have at the end of the day it's really middle class white people's problems <laughs> there there is no sort of ab- ab- abuse going that. on could be yeah. could be could be a factor that you may elicit some sympathy for but what does Ladybird really have to complain about? She has a suburban life, very comfortable. Her dad's just been laid off, but okay, you know, he <laughs> he doesn't really want to go back into teaching. If he was that hard up for money, he could go and clean some toilets. Uh, you know, there there the, the, the are those things. I, and, you. And I the, guess the, the, you know, the, the, you, the field of fishing is quite small. In very this, very much so, and it, I don't, it I don't, feels I like... don't appreciate that as an out, as as a well, as a knock on the film. Away. One of my favorite one of one of my favorite comedians is Doug Stanhope, and it's one of the things he he says very obnoxious things, obviously, but at the same time he uh, he has a very there's one sentence that keeps coming back to me when when I was listening to um, uh, you know when I hear opinions like that where I'm like ah well. No, what what do white people have to complain about? Nothing. Okay, I get it. Nothing. But the thing is, is that to them, it's very real. You understand? No matter what, 
there is a problem that is Ladybird feels like she has a problem. Even if her problems, mm-hmm. if you compare them to other places, maybe they're not real to other people. But I remember Stanhope, it's relative. Yeah, I get that. Stanhope once said, "How does your shit make my shit less shitty?" <laughs> I'm still feeling my shit. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to yeah. look to what people are feeling and be like, well, at least I'm not them. That's a comparative level that you're not supposed to necessarily be taking. And there is a rhetoric right now in movies, you know, like, well, you know, white people have had it easy. And I'm like, I completely agree. I get it. I get that these are first world problems, but there's still her problems. There's still things that she's dealing with. There's still things that she's struggling with in her head who she identifies with. And I understand that that's a privilege to have to wrestle with identity as opposed to food. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, and there, there are some articles that you can read out there where people are like, well, you know what? White people are so privileged that they make up shit to complain about and have trouble with. And I'm like, yeah, I 100% agree with that as well. But what's the problem with that? So it, it, it's not necessarily white people. It, it's more to do with class, actually. It's middle class problems. And these are these are problems that make me unsympathetic to Ladybird's character. Ladybird is clearly a very intelligent young woman. And surely she has some view outside her own narrow life view, uh, you know, on her periphery that actually mm. these mean little in a wider context. And that, 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 that kind of pushes me away from her character even more. It makes me feel like she's quite selfish. Yes, our problems are all relative to ourself. And yes, they may seem, because they're so personable, they may seem like the worst things in the world ever. But it takes an incredibly stupid person not to be able to see the wider context of your problem within the world. And for her not to be able to see that or even allude to the fact that my problems, hang on, I can't go to LA. I, I'm stuck in this small town and, you know, I, I have a really bad relationship with my mother and all the rest of it. There are bigger things going on in the world. And the fact she never even acknowledges that, regardless of how important she feels her issues are, it, it just makes me feel like she's an incredibly selfish or stupid character. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, teenagers have a very narrow but she's not a teenager she's 21 i mean it wasn't okay but i mean even even then i think that at 20 i i teach roughly around that age right now and they have a very narrow perspective on what's going on to be honest and i mean i'm pretty sure that if i go back to 21 i'm very self-involved at that age i don't I'm, know i'm sure about we worldly both events. i'm sure we both were we both were and I, but the world's moved on jason when we were that age we weren't exposed to the internet. We didn't have all these social issues coming into our life. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have Facebook. We weren't, oh, well, you we're know, going into having these narratives brought into though. our lives. And at the same time, this movie takes place roughly around 1996, which is, is smack when I was 16 years old, where the internet wasn't necessarily that prevalent. When you wanted to actually download a song, you were happy if it took an hour. You know, it's not two <laughs> this time for that five megabyte song. You know what I mean? And so I think that Ladybird is is... Probably not necessarily. I'm not saying that you know they're going back in time. Probably to, to to say well at least like yeah, the problem- dodge the problems. They, they exactly, they dodge the problems when it comes to that stuff. And I completely agree with you that you know even with the internet. But I mean, like I said, right now I am teaching this generation of kids, and the internet to them is not much. It's the first page on Google. It is Facebook and Snapchat, perhaps Instagram on occasion. Twitter is for old people. <laughs> and that, I'm not kidding, man. This is, this is based on a, a, like a, a random like hands up, hands down survey that I conducted in class. So extremely scientific. 
Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, is that they, they, they don't know what to look for, to be honest. The thing is, is that I think that the kids today are actually more lost than we were lost. We didn't have the information, but now they have an abundance of information. It's mm. gone the, completely the other way that we okay. didn't know what to look for, but they don't know where to look. And that's kind of one thing is, is that we're going from one lost generation to the next lost generation where any petty problem you have is going to be a mountain climb because you have an infinite number of possibilities of where you can go, but you don't know where to start because the parents that you have can't guide you because they're still lost. You know what I mean? And so, hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. And that's what I kind of got from Ladybird is that you have a mother who's still lost, who's still trying to figure out why the fuck she is who she is. You have a father that's like, well, I kind of identified with this, but now they've told me I can't anymore. So he ha- he's in a position where he has to redefine who he is as an individual based on the job that he might get. He sees his son go in to get the same job as him, and he's like, they've replaced me. This is the younger generation. I am no longer relevant. And then you have Lady Bird in the mix of all that trying to find out where she fits in in terms of relevance, and at the same time, the teacher that she has, she's like, eh, whatever. Even he loses the grades at one point. That's how lost that motherfucker is, too. And she's trying to navigate the social classes of high school, which seem like nothing, because it is kind of a privilege to go to school, even if it's community. And at the same time, I still feel that no matter how much, even the, the Timothy Chalamet's character is lost as hell. He's the guy that's going to be working in a place that he doesn't want to. We, we can see that that was who her brother was at that age. You know what I mean? We see those different mm. generations and you see the brother actually going in to get the job. And then Timothy Chalamet is going to probably be that brother again, going in to get the job from the other old dude. You know, they're just going to kind of keep changing places. And it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that finding a place where you fit in, eventually it's not even finding out where you fit in. It's where fitting in becomes the only place that you can go. And so I figure that Ladybird in this case for me is that, all she wants is a little guidance and she's not really getting it. But, but then, then surely the, the, the fault lies with the parents in this case, because they're Oh yeah. hundred less... percent. That, that's what, you know, yeah. psychology the, the, tells her, us. Her, Blame her... your parents. <laughs> okay. Well, her parents are too less say fair. And throughout this film, you know, I had very strict parents. I don't know about you two guys, but oh, yeah. just wanted no. their mum to give her a fucking slap around the back of the fucking head and say, you know, <laughs> sort your shit out. You know, because that as much as I'm not into abusing children or anything, but I, I, I think a bit of forcefulness behind the parenting would have helped. And I, I, I dread to think, you know, what a, an even more liberal parentage from that age would look mm. like today. That's yeah. why, that's why it is a very good cop, bad cop relationship because you can see that her father really wants to kind of care. But at the same time, when you look at it, he might be a little bit closer to his daughter as opposed to his son. And his son mm. is a little bit closer to the mother in this case, which is, which is a typical familial dynamic. You know, you don't necessarily want to replace your father and whatnot, but the daughter is always going to remain a daughter. There's a saying that goes with that. But I don't know. I don't, I, I, I understand like the slap, uh, you know, I, I had my share of spanks uh, on the ass and a couple of whacks on the back of the head and stuff like that. But to be honest, it's not something that I'd necessarily want to do to my kids because it didn't really teach me anything except be scared think, of dad. <laughs> I think I think the uh, the film does make a point of saying there has to be a, a, a healthier middle ground than yeah, the I get that. guilt inclused 
you know, two parents warring against each other. One just trying to edge small victories of freedom against a all dictating guilt using mother who kind of there's the church too in there that we can top, bring in for and, guilt. Uh, yeah, and of course that's where most of that comes from. And if you want to go into motivation, there's that. But I mean, I, I get it. The Ladybird is in an environment that her her uh, choices do seem black and white, and if it, it does skew to some sort of realism, in that it it presents it to her like that <laughs> even if the world is bigger and but then it also makes sense that why should you care if you know better in neil's perspective it has like so basically the the takeaway from this discussion is everyone's got their own shit <laughs> they watch it they watch this film and they come yeah. out of it with their own shit although yep. a little either more angry or in jason's case elated <laughs> Yeah, I guess that would be one way to put it. I mean, there's one of my one of my favorite scenes, you know, that has to do with like like being watched or judgment in some sense. Uh, it's when uh, when Ladybird is actually uh, sitting there with her friend Julie. They're in the church and they're eating the hosts directly from the jar, and the shots from above. You know, it's like God's mm. watching them. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah, I just right. love that shot because it, there is a judgment, there is a guilt that's had to be had, and they're just eating it. You're not supposed to eat those things. And the you know when the nerd comes in, just like you're not supposed to be. Eating. We all know that kid. You know what I mean? I, there's part mm-hmm. of me that that was that kid, and part of me that was a the 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 you know a Beanie Fendel, uh, Feldstein, and there was a part of me that was like Ladybird. So I don't know. This is a beautiful al- uh, amalgamation of everything. For me, anyway, I understand. Cool. I, all You guys all made valid points. I completely understand everything that you guys are saying. For some reason, though, it really kind of got me. I was like, oh, that's, this is beautiful. Yeah, I love this. That's the personal aspect, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah, I that's get That's what's it. driving each of us, and that's that's why we're out of consensus to agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. right, that's perfectly <laughs> fine. Yeah, man. But, I mean, this, this but, is a good uh, discussion. I like this. This is great. We, we, we've clearly had very different upbringings, and that that's clearly <laughs> yeah, influenced that is and flavored more clear what than we've ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. This is great. Cool. Ah, I'm, I'm satisfied with that conversation. I don't think we should go any farther with that, unless you guys want to keep, uh, you know, just poking away at ladybird but i think we covered pretty much everything we needed to cover with the film i think no, yeah that's cool. all right cool well i want to i want to say thank you to neil again he stayed on way longer yes, than he was supposed to and that that's a testament to how awesome this guy is so i want you guys to go listen to the film seekers podcast neil how about you tell us where we can find that again uh you can find us on uh itunes by typing in film seekers it's all one word antonyms are the best things and um <laughs> You can also find us on filmseekers.com where we put up competitions, uh, reviews of certain films. Uh, I have the privilege of being able to see films before they are released so you can get the jump on certain films before you waste your time on them, such as Mute. Um, so there we are. Awesomeness. And, uh, any uh, Twitter or social media that you're pushing out there? Or yeah, so you can certainly um, follow us at filmseekers on twitter uh, we are on facebook.com forward slash film seekers and if you're into pictures you can follow us on instagram uh, film seekers or one word once again and we occasionally post up interesting photos i think the last thing that i posted up recently was a ton of screeners and dvds of films that aren't out for another four yes. or five months yet which i can spoil for you if you really want <laughs> yeah, well, that's that is what we want. <laughs> we don't want to actually watch these things. We're no longer critics. <laughs> no, that's right. We just uh, analyze. And it's yeah. been awesome. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for inviting me on. I feel honored and privileged. Thank you for showing up. Thank fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be 
it would be a bitching match about Ladybird that would never end. <laughs> no, we never complained. This is the fun thing about about our shows. We 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 we're fine with it. If you don't like something, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. It's all good. So, <laughs> Lee, can we find you online, or do you want to stay covert? Uh, no, you can. You can uh, at Lee Paul Brady. But yeah, that's it. That is actually just it. I'm also on Instagram, but you're not going to find anything interesting there, Jason. Yeah, and you can follow Lee also at Atlantic SC because I am no longer oh, yeah. in charge of the Twitter and I'm having a blast <laughs> not doing anything. <laughs> uh, and that's it. So you can uh, follow me on Instagram if you want, Jason B. Michael. I post a lot of sunglasses and Star Wars. Uh, you can come. I, I think my <laughs> profile on Facebook is public. If you guys want to just look for Jason Michael, go there. I have a show that I'm doing with my daughter called uh, Mia and Jason Drive to School. Uh, so yeah I'm going to be putting up a fourth episode this week should be interesting to see yeah so alright thank you everyone for tuning in this has been great Neil thanks again you're going to be a regular just like Kevin it's going to be awesome <laughs> we're going to bring you <laughs> on very much. and have more drinks it's going to be so Absolutely. cool thank you very much everyone again take care and hope you guys enjoyed the episode on Mute and Ladybird <laughs> bye 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 This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.